Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us. You know, if you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you know I am an avid reader. I read... 25, 30 books a year. Easy. And that's one reason I enjoy interviewing authors. Amen. Well, fasten your seatbelt because today we have the blessed pleasure of interviewing Betty Rogers Kulik about her award-winning book, The River. The River, a spiritually transforming journey is a book of what has now become a trilogy of books. Betty describes this book as a cross between the shack and a modern-day Pilgrim's Pride type of book. Amen. We'll find out more about that in a minute. This book won the 2021 Christian Indie Publisher Award and is a great book that has now become book one of a trilogy in the making, praise God. Betty is an ordained minister, serves an associate pastor along with her husband, Rick, of 47 years at the Redeemer's Church in Columbus, Ohio. She has been teaching and preaching since 2003. Betty also serves as a woman's conference director for Harvest Preparation International Ministries, a nonprofit biblical ministry that trains and impacts leaders globally. She travels internationally doing women's conferences, teaching, developing and mentoring other women. And prior to being in the ministry full time, Betty was a high school teacher for 30 years on top of that and holds a master's degree in family and consumer services and early childhood development. She's also an Advanced Writers and Speakers Association Certified Speaker. Hey, men, help me. Welcome to the program, Betty Rogers Cooley. Betty, congratulations on this great book, and thank you for taking the time to come on the program today. I do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for asking. It's a joy to be here today. Hey, Amen. Now, the first question I always ask is this. Other than that brief information, which I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Betty Rogers Cooley? Betty, I am a lover of God, and that's probably been my um, heart since I can remember. And I always used to to cringe a little bit when people would give up and, and get up and give their testimonies in church. You know, I was I was a sinner and I did this and I did that and I was a wreck and God saved me out of that. And here I am today. And I would sit there thinking, God, I don't have a testimony because my life from the time I can remember, I I knew God. I don't know how else to explain it. It was just an awareness that I had that he existed and that I was uh, loved by him and that I was connected to him. And I remember when I was a kid, really young, and I was able to I was able to read pretty good. Um, I would hide under the, the covers at night with a flashlight reading children's Bibles, you know, and stories like this because I was so hungry to know I went to uh, the community we live in has probably four um, smaller churches, different denominations, but they all had vacation Bible school. And I went to every one of them because I was just so hungry. 
And it wasn't until probably years later, many years later, um, a few years before my mother passed, that she told me about when she was pregnant, she had a great fear because she had, I was born later in life, her life. And she had a great fear I'd be born, you know, with missing toes or arms or something because of the age and that, whatever. And she um, was a believer, but I wouldn't say at that point she was walking where she was at the time she was telling me this story. But she told me that she uh, got alone with God one day. She went out for a walk and she just prayed, Lord, if you will make her whole. Go make me cry here. You will make me whole. Make her whole. Lord, I dedicate her to you. She can be whatever you want. Yeah, and so that was really a point for me to say, now I understand that um, why God, there was a connection, you know, for uh, all that time. And, and now yeah. my I'm joyful in the fact that uh, he has kept me from childhood and has kept me uh, growing and going, you know, Amen. in this direction. So that's Amen. me. Amen. Praise the Lord. So why did you write this book, The River, to begin with? I mean, what, what motivated you to write this type of book? Um, I, for good or for bad, I made the mistake, and I don't really call it a mistake, but every year, at the end of a year, I start praying into the next year. God, what do you have for me uh, next year, what do you want me to do? And we have been a part of many uh, of churches uh, that believe in God speaking, like you were telling me earlier, your story about the voice behind you speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had that. I've had that uh, several times, five times actually, mm. where people in who didn't know me, I was at conferences. In fact, one time I was at a big conference in Cleveland, Ohio, and there was probably about 3,000 people there. I was with a group. We were clear in the back. We got in late from lunch because we were a big group, and we were sitting in the last couple rows in the back corner kind of a thing. And this lady who was teaching, um, she had been a part of the Toronto Revival back in that point. And she was teaching and preaching, and she stopped in the middle of it, and she said, God wants me to tell some people some things. And so she just stopped, and she started speaking to people, and she'd call them out. Well, she got to our section, and she said, you know, you back there, blah, blah, blah. And she was saying on this, and we're all looking like, who's who's she talking to, you know? And finally, my friend said, I think it's you. Stand up. And so uh, it's like me. And so I I did eventually stand up and she said, yes, you. And then she started saying, you know, I just sense that God wants to write books through you. You're going to be on radio. You're going to be on television. Uh, God's going to use you to touch a lot of people. And she went on and um, my friends are all writing frantically, you know, this thing. And so between, between the group, I've got most of the words down so I wouldn't forget them because I was standing like a deer in the headlights as she was telling this, because I was like, where is this coming from? But over the years, I had gotten five different words from people like that um, about writing. And as a high school teacher, I did a lot of writing curriculum at church. I do a lot of teaching. So I just assumed it would be writing 
in the sense of something nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, teaching, training, kind of a thing. So back to December, I was praying into the next year and just said, God, what do you want me to focus on next year? And as clear as you were sharing with you heard the voice, I heard, I want you to open up and begin to do the writing. And I was shocked by that because that I had taken those words and I'll just say it from this perspective. I had set them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I didn't close the closet door, but they were up on the shelf in a shoebox. If you understand what I'm saying, I just could never see myself. I didn't think of myself as an author. I didn't think of myself as having a story to tell. So because I always want to be obedient and humble before the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, great. I'll do it. You just need to show me what you want me to write, thinking that was going to be my out. And again, just as clearly, he said, I want you to get out your prayer journals. And I journal, like you were saying, journal, prayer journals. I have prayer journals, and I usually do one. I have one a year, and they go back, way back. And sometimes when I would be praying and just waiting on the Lord with my eyes closed and meditating, I would get a picture in my mind of something. And I would always include that in my prayer journal. And he said, I want you to go back to those entries. And there were three of them um, where I was in a boat on a river and different things were taking place. And I said, okay, well, then the, the problem became I couldn't remember back when those were, they were years, you know, before this. And I had to take a season to go back through every journal. And since then I've, I've learned that in my journal entries now, I don't, I put down not just the date, but I put down dream, uh, prayer, vision, something, you know, that I can identify (laughs) with because back then they were just dated. And so I found them. And said, okay, Lord, here they are. He said, I want you to type them up and then I'll take it from there. And so I just said, okay. So I typed them up. And when I did, I was so amazed that they really fused together, like a chapter to a chapter to a chapter. And that began my story. And and basically, I would sit down at the computer I would close my eyes, I would take a deep breath, and I'd pray, okay, Lord, show me what you want to write. And I did. it didn't come to me as in words that I heard literally with my mind. Uh, it was more uh, for me visual, like I had said. Um, I would begin to see this plane of like a movie screen in my mind, and I literally just typed what I saw happening and and what I heard being said and those kind of things. And then, of course, when I go back and read it, it was past tense, present tense, future tense. Nothing was in that sense, so it took a lot of editing on on it to get it got it all done. And it it just I was amazed. I would sit back and I'd read it to my husband, and he said wow, where did that come from? And I said, only God, I don't know. It's not, it's not me. And when I got to the end, I realized 
that the story actually started in chapter two. So I had to invent a chapter one <laughs> as an intro. And that took a little bit because I, I didn't get that as a picture. You know, I had to really intercede with the Lord and say, okay, God, you've got me this far. I just can't start in chapter two. I've got to have a chapter one. And so he gave me that and I, you know, I got that written in that and that became the book. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's all. So explain for us this cross between the shack and a modern day Pilgrim's pride type of book. What does that mean? I probably made a mistake. It should be Pilgrim's progress. 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 Yeah. So if you're familiar with Pilgrim's progress, it's the story of Christian who feels the pull to leave and that there's something more and he travels and in his travels he meets lots of things has lots of adventures that really are training him working in him things that when he reaches the celestial city at the end you know it's which is heaven in the story you know he's he's reached that um, and of course, the shack, if you've seen that, is the modern a modern day thing where a gentleman um, has an unexpected visit by the supernatural realm and meets Jesus and the Holy Spirit and various things. And, and it radically changes who he is um, because he didn't think that all existed. So the book is really a cross of that. Um it's a modern day Pilgrim's Progress because the character Melissa in the story is very similar to the man in the shack or the, the Christian of, of the Pilgrim Progress who was in a place that God wanted to take them towards their destiny, take her towards her destiny. But she had a lot of what I'll call baggage mm-hmm. from her past that really caused her to be very controlling of what she did, had a lot of walls, and yet deep down inside of her, there was something that would want to uh, speak to her to step out of that. And and in the book, I referred to that in the beginning as her two twins. (laughs) It was like two twins who would say, the conservative one, the controlling one, no, you don't want to do that because, and the other one who would speak to her mind and say, yes, but... And so the story really picks up with where she steps out of her comfort zone to go visit a, a friend from college who um, was radical for God. And that she could never understand why she could be so radical because they both went to, to college together to have a career in education. Yeah. And the lady who was radical, she gave that all up. For God, and she thought, how could she give up her retirement? How could she give up the re- the securities and all these things? But she goes to, on vacation with her, and on that vacation, as she's traveling to meet up with her, she crosses over what is probably the best way to say a supernatural opening, mm-hmm. and she doesn't realize it, and. That's because part of of on her journey, she meets a man named David, who later in the story is is an angel. And he um, kind of directs her to this place that where this happens and she crosses over. And then she has a choice to make. Do I stay in this realm and see what happens or do I go back? Hmm. And she makes the choice to stay f- for this journey on the Amen. river. 
And so the river is what takes her very much like in Pilgrim's Progress then through many things. Hey, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Now, you also developed a workbook to go with this book, correct? Um, yes. What How does happened, that work? Well, what, it's really a devotional workbook journal. And it's still, uh, I still have a couple of chapters yet to finish for that. But what happened with that was I published the book. And that's a whole other story because I didn't know squat about publishing. I just knew the book. And my assumption was I've written the book. That's the hardest part. Now it gets it, get it published and there it goes. Not understanding that that's probably the easiest part in the reality <laughs> of writing books. And literally, you're going to laugh, but this is how I picked a publisher. I, I went to my bookshelves, which are all Christian books, nonfiction mostly, um, looked at the uh, different publishing houses and just started contacting them <laughs> and said, I have a book, blah, blah, blah. And most of them like, go away. (laughs) Because I'm a nobody. You know, nobody knew me. So I went with what's called now like a hybrid where it's a publishing company, but they work with the author. You can self-publish, but they're connected to a bigger house. And so I went with uh, Zulon, which was very helpful to me. And they published it. Um, But in all that, it the whole part of publishing has been uh, a journey. So after the book got out there, you you know how do you get the book out there? It, you know I have I can look over here to my side and I can see boxes of books. You know, <laughs> they'll be sitting there, and it's like, okay, how do I get them into the hands? God, you've called me to write this book. Obviously, it's meant for people. How do I find those people? And so the first thing that I did was, of course, you give it to all your friends, right? You really need this book. Yeah, yeah. And I passed it out to a lot of friends who love me. And so they took the book and read it. Out of that group, I had three ladies from different churches. One was a Vineyards church. One was a charismatic church. And one was a Nazarene church. And they read it. And God really spoke to them through the book, and all three of them were involved in women's ministries at their church and said, we need to use this book as a Bible study for the women. Amen. And so they they started that. Well, then they contacted me and said, do you have a devotional or something to go along with this book so we can use it? This is what we're doing. It's like, no. And so that started the process of of this book. So that's how that's come about. Amen. Amen. So when did you decide to make the river into a trilogy with this as book number one? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. I really assume because in those words that I'd gotten from people, God had not said book. He had said books. So I took that literally with the S on the end that there would be others. I did not assume or think it would be a trilogy because this is a fiction book and it's outside my, my um, parameters of normal reading. I only read usually nonfiction books, learning, training, writing. And that's what I assume books would be, would be from that realm of nonfiction. And so I didn't even consider when the book was done that there would be a trilogy. And I had 
many people, um, of course, you learn to start with marketing. You start getting a page in Facebook. You have to create your website, you know, all these different things and start that process. And through that, I had people that I didn't know who had took a risk by seeing an ad or something on Facebook, got the book, got really touched by the book and began sending me correspondence saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to write a review for to Amazon because this book has so changed my life. And so many of them would say, and when are you writing the next part of the story? And I thought, what next part of the story? I thought I did what I did. Because in my book, the the way it ends is that when Melissa reaches that celestial city and is there with Jesus and she's has gone through all these things to really refine her, take out baggage, put in things of God, you know, strengthen her, really change her from a what you might say is a pew warming person, Christian, mm-hmm. to becoming a disciple. And a lover, a supreme lover of Jesus. And when she gets to the celestial city, she's getting all settled in, thinking that this is the end. And Jesus takes her for a walk and basically says, I need you to leave. And she's like shocked. And he begins to tell her a parable about uh, the you know where God or the 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 master of the house sends out his servant compelling people to come into his house and says I need you to go back to your world and continue touching people to bring them into my house. So that kind of left an opening for I guess book two, which I hadn't thought about, but people were seeing it that way. They were feeling that way. And they wanted to know what's happened now when she's back from vacation, what's going to go on (laughs) in life. And that took me back to prayer again and saying, God, is this really what you want? Do you want me to do that? I mean, I'm not, I would, I love the, the, acclamation or the coming of people's hearts saying this touched them because then I know I was obedient in what I wrote. But at the same time, I don't want man to be pushing me into something that's not what you're calling me to do, because that's the surest sign of failure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I felt as I prayed, God would say, no, I just didn't tell you that in the beginning because you were struggling to write a fiction book because it's so out of your league (laughs) and and it's kind of like that thing if he would tell you your future you would back away from it kind of like but then once you kind of get out there you're willing to take another step so um that's kind of how the book two has come and he's given me the whole story line of that and i'm in the process of finishing that up and then there will be a book three and i i know where that's going to go too you know amen. he's already given amen. me that so. so what's the the theme behind the trilogy well i have thought about that like why god why this story why did you write this through me and i believe it's because of where we're at in the world right now these are these are really end days we believe it's we're believing that we are in the end days and there are so many people, including Christians, 
who have been in churches that really haven't taught the foundations of Christianity and, and the, the gospel yeah. and biblical truths of, of sin and consequences of sin and that he's coming back and that there is a devil and uh, that the world is going the direction of that because the devil's working overtime, mm-hmm. we would say, in all that's happening around the world in preparation that he can get as many people into his dark realm before God comes back for those in his realm. So now that I've, I've written this book and he showed me where it's going, it's really, I believe almost going to be, I wouldn't say a handbook, but yet it's a book that that's sort of like this present darkness. And um, oh, what was the other one it was back before that? Anyway, um, for people who will read this story, it's a fiction story who might not ever pick up a Bible, Mm -hmm. but will identify with the woman. And as a result of identifying with the woman and what she's going through and what she's struggling and where we are in the darkness and confronting the darkness and how the darkness can attack us and how we must rise up to prevent the darkness from taking, whether it's loved ones, whatever. This will be uh, Melissa's journey in book two, which will take it right up to the the second coming. So um, it's kind of like maybe a precursor for them to read to hopefully, I think God wants to touch some people who wouldn't read, pick up a Bible, but they'll read this. Amen. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of this interview with Betty Rogers Kulik. And as we've been discussing her book, The River, this book is one that you will not put down once you begin to read it. I guarantee it. She has crafted this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it holds you on until you finish, praise God. Then... You're going to go online looking for book number two and wondering why it's not been released yet. Amen. At the time of this recording, folks, Christmas is just around the corner. You should definitely invest in purchasing this book for yourself. And if I could drop a little hint, possibly get two or three copies for friends that you know would enjoy this book also. Amen. Just drop down to the show notes, reach out to Betty, order the book, and be sure to come back for part two and the conclusion of our great interview in the very next episode. For Betty Rogers Kulik, this is Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. 
Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcasts. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.